Amen. That, that should be our prayer today. Amen. Amen. To have Jesus more than anything, to have a walk and a relationship with Jesus, not a second-hand relationship, not through someone else, but to know Him intimately and to know Him more than anything that you have today. Amen. And I'm going to be a little bit hoarse today. I preached revival this week, so I've been in revival, and they about, man, they, they about wore me down down there. But uh, we had a good revival service in Malvern, and it was it was great. It was great being <clears throat> being around them this week. I'm gonna be back on Nehemiah today when your when your calling is being challenged. And you say, well, Brother George, what do you mean when your calling is being challenged? When you decide to step out, when you get to the point in your, in your walk, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you decide to step out, that through that conviction or whatever God brings in your heart, you step out and want to do something for Jesus Christ, just expect that the, that the Satan himself is going to unleash everything he has to stop you from stepping out and growing in your calling that God's give you. It is amazing how we make a spiritual commitment and a spiritual decision and then it seems like everything falls apart around us. Everybody ever had that happen to them? You may, have, you may have got saved or you may have been baptized or joined this church or a church and, and you started going to church and it seems like everything broke. <laughs> I mean, you was challenged from one end to the other, where it was financial to to relationship wise to with your time, but you was challenged, and and, and it'll happen every time, and and it may even seem like things are falling apart, but things happen like that when we make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Listen, Satan's not worried about the ones that are just floating in the boat. Amen. <laughs> they don't bother him a bit, but it's the ones that get out of the boat. And come to his voice, that's the ones that he's worried about. And Nehemiah could have felt this same way in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Things were going great where he was at, had a great job. I mean, he was a cupbearer. As long as nobody poisoned the food, he had it made. But I, I always thought about Nehemiah. He could go from a cupbearer to needing a pallbearer in about five minutes. Amen. <laughs> But he had a great job. He probably lived in a condo, had nice chariots. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Mustang chariots. <laughs> you know, he had the finer things of life. Then all of a sudden, God come and placed a uh, conviction and a call on his heart to go back to Jerusalem where his people lived, his family lived, and rebuild the wall so God's people could be restored and live and act like God's people. I mean, he left the finer things of life to go do this. And now, in chapter 4, they're already started construction of the wall. They're building the wall. Well, lo and behold, guess what? Here comes opposition. <laughs> Don't think that you can serve Jesus and there not be no opposition. I mean, just get that in your mind today. If you step out to make a decision for Jesus, the devil's going to come and attack, and he's going to do whatever he can do to keep you from that calling. As long as you sit back and don't say a word and just be a boat floater, <laughs> he loves it. But when you step out and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's time to get some things straightened up. It's time for things to happen in my life. I've been sitting back waiting. And, and Jesus, I need you more than ever in my life. When you do that, Satan's going to come and attack. And things will probably fall apart. But that does not mean you're not in the will of God. 
Amen? And so Nehemiah here in these verses is, is uh, getting opposition from him from the outside. This is people. Opposition comes to you on the outside. It comes from the inside. It also happens eternally inside of us. The devil's very good at playing with our minds. What is an idle minds? The devil workshop. Amen. Look what it happens in, in chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, But it so happened. Let's all stand as we read the Word of God. Y'all need to stretch your legs anyway when I'm preaching. <laughs> but it so happened in verse 1 when Sanballat had heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps and the rubbish, the stones that are burned? Now Tobadiah the Anamite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even a fox that goes up on it will break it down their stone wall. So here's what Nehemiah does. He turns right around in verse 4. Look what he does. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from you from before you. They have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobadiah, the Arabs, the Anamites, the Ashdoites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judas said, The strength of the labors is falling. There is much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into the mist to kill them and cause the work to cease. But I look in verse 13, I love what he did. Verse 13 says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked in a rose and said, Nobles and leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, and I love this, is great and what? He's awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Lord, teach us how to fight our adversaries the right way this morning. Lord, there is a right fight when you're a child of God. Lord, let us not take that battle upon ourselves because this battle's not won by flesh and blood. But Lord, it's a spiritual battle. And Lord, it's a battle that's fought in the heavenlies. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll teach us how to fight for your calling in our lives this morning. We love you. Have your way in this service. And all God's people saying, Amen. Amen. When I was down at Malvern last week, uh, Revival the other night, we was fixing to get started. Me and Melvin, and I, Tim and Sherry went. And Tim did some worship down there. And 
I told Melvin, I said, I got to get up. I know this service has started and they were taking prayer requests. But I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. I'm gone. Man, I got up and I finally found their bathroom in the back of the church. And, and I got confused right off the back because there wasn't a men, there wasn't a women. There wasn't a guy, there wasn't a gals. There wasn't a cowgirl, there wasn't a cowboy. Amen. So I just picked one, man. I just closed my eyes and picked and went in. Got in there and, you know, washing my hands at the end. I'm sitting there getting ready to go back out and I'm looking for paper towels and I heard a wah, wah, wah. I said, oh Lord, the trumpet is blowing. He's coming back and I'm in a bathroom. <laughs> and I went back out the bathroom, walked down the hall and looked out the window of their front church and a train was pretty close to the, it was a train on the train tracks. I thought, I want to be with Mevlin when we go up. It was a great time and I'm in the bathroom and we're going to get caught up. But we had a great time. But just expect as Nehemiah was being challenged here, they already started the process of building the wall and Sanballat and Tobadiah comes up and says, they were mocking them, they were making fun of them, saying, go back to that verse 1, Tina. They were saying, you can't build this. And it was actually now starting to make them mad because they could build it. They couldn't do it through their own strength, but they could through God's strength. And we need to remember that. We can't build nothing in our strength. It's all through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gets the honor and glory. But Sanballat and them looked at them and they were furious. And man, they got the wall built halfway up. We've got to do something. We've got to stop these people. I love what Charles Spurgeon, do you have that saying? What Charles Spurgeon says about the devil as our adversary. There is something comforting in the thought as the devil. As the adversary. I'd much sooner have him as my adversary than my friend. Always remember that. No matter what we do in this church, in your family, in your own special walk with God, that, listen, they're all, somebody's going to make fun of you. Somebody's not going to like the way you do stuff. They're not going to like the way your church is. They're not going to like the way you do ministry. And they may not even like the way you preach. And that's something I had to overcome early in my ministry of preaching because you want everybody to love you. Amen? And there was just some people when I preached revivals or did this and went in churches, it just flat out just offended them. Can't believe he'd preach like that. They'd take their bat and toys and they'd go to the house and I'd wave. You're not going to make everybody happy as long as you know that you're doing what God has put in your heart to do. Not everybody's going to be happy. Your family members may not be happy. And as soon as you, but I'd much rather have the devil as my enemy than as my friend. And that's what Nehemiah was figuring out real quick. He, he had to learn how to fight. Because we need to learn how to fight. And you say, Brother George, Christians are supposed to love. We are. But we also need to know how to stand up and fight when it comes to fight. In Exodus 14, 14, it says that the Lord will fight for us. God takes it personally when His people are being attacked. 
When His plan and His, his uh, uh, design He has for our life is being confused and turned into chaos, God takes it personally when the devil comes after you and your family. God says, that's my child. Amen? He don't like his children. How many of y'all like your children being bullied? Do you take it personal? <laughs> Man, I do. The devil will come at you like a roaring lion. I mean, we had a great revival and I got home last night <laughs> and I get a little... I have to have a few words with a certain person because they said something about Hunter. And what he did, and I know without a doubt it was not true. And I took it personally myself because that was my son. Amen. I said, if you don't got the right information, you need to keep, and this is coming from a preacher, this is GIV version, keep your mouth shut. Amen. Until you know for sure, I know without a doubt this object didn't happen. And this didn't happen. And so it's kind of like when you're being bullied. God, God stands up and says, that's my son. That's my daughter you're talking about. I paid the price on the cross for them. I, they're covered in my blood. Devil, I take it personally because you're attacking them. Amen. I take it personal what you're doing in their family, in their marriage. He takes it personally when the devil comes into the church. And the devil comes into the church from the outside. The devil comes from the inside. Um, but we got to learn how to fight right. Nehemiah could have very well said, come off that wall and just, I mean, he could have come off with a fine souffle, you know, just like in wrestling. I mean, he could have come off the top rope with an elbow right on to Sam Bellett's head. Amen? Y'all don't watch wrestling? I know you do. I know y'all watch that. What's that? What's that called when they're in the cage and they got the, the boxing mats the, and they tap out? MMA. UFC, MMA. How many watch that? Look at, yeah, uh-huh. A bunch of y'all are too holy to raise your hand. I don't want preachers to know. <laughs> Ain't nothing better than a good fight. Amen. Amen? Man, a good fight is good. I remember my grandpa when Muhammad Ali would fight. He could not wait. He did not like Ali. It wasn't the color of his skin. It was the color of his mouth. Amen? <laughs> He could not take his arrogance. He could not take... And I remember as a little kid down there, you know, I'm in the fifth and sixth grade, and, and, and man, I could hear him talking about a fight tonight, a fight tonight. I'm going, who's fighting? Muhammad Ali's fighting George Foreman or Joe Frazier. Or, and I'm thinking, what, in the, what is this all about? <laughs> I found out real quick what it was about. When, for, when, that, when that fight came on, you would have thought my grandpa was fighting Ali. <laughs> He was in position in front of the TV and, and they, I mean, they went ding, ding and they come out in the first match and he's already dancing. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he did this through the first ring, the second round, the third round. We'd be in the 10th round and he, he was sweating so much he had a towel around his neck. He was wiping it. <laughs> and boy, when they would get the upper hand of Ali and get Ali in a corner and just start whooping on him, oh, he would talk to that TV. Go, boy, hit him, hit him, knock him out, knock him out. <laughs> but most of the time, he always got let down because Ali would wear him out. Boom. He would throw his towel up and be, then he was really mad. We 
need someone in our corner to do this thing that's called life. We cannot live our life in our own strength. Anybody that thinks you can live in life in your own strength, you're going to be let down. You cannot raise a family in your own strength. You cannot do your job in your own strength. You need... When a death comes or, or, or other things happen in your life, you need something to rely on besides human. Trust in the Lord, the Bible says in Proverbs, and acknowledge Him in all His ways. And He will guide you into the right path. That means lean upon. You've got to lean upon God sometimes. Sometimes you've got to put pride down and put everything away and say, I know I'm smart, but Lord, this is out of my hands and God will allow you to get to that point where He'll take everything away from you where you've got to rely on nothing but Him. Now He says we're back to where we need to be. And Nehemiah could have jumped off and just hit Tobadiah in the mouth and it been over with. But he listen, Romans twelve nineteen. We need to remember this verse. You have that one, Tina? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. If for it is written, Visions, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. All these folks that are out there getting over on people and sometimes that's how they have a living and they lie and everything they do and they may have hurt you. That that verse right there says one day God will have them pay. And sometimes I want to rush that process up. Amen. Amen. I mean, I want to pay now and see the refund later. Amen. I want them to pay. But this is the godly man and leader that Nehemiah was. He said, I'm not saying a word. I'm not talking to the enemy. I'm going to take it before my heavenly father. And in verse 4 and 5, he said, hear me, O God. And he goes into that prayer in verse 4 and 5, praying about his enemies and what they're doing. And we need to learn how to do this. That's, that's having the right fight. There's a lot of people who say, well, I'll just rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Listen, guys, I want to tell you something about the devil. He's bigger than a mountain pine red devil. (laughs) Amen? He's bigger than any devil on your can of ham. He's bigger than your devil food cake. (laughs) Amen? He's bigger than the devil that went down to Georgia. Amen? 70% of Americans believe that there is a real devil. 70% of them. But here's what got me when I was reading this. Only half of that 70% believe that he's real. I mean, real and can attack you. 70% thinks he's just a symbol, a picture. Only half of that 70% think he he attacks and, 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 and creates confusion. You are not as powerful as... Satan. Satan knows more than God's Word than any person in this building, including me, today. Why? Because he was one of God's angels that was kicked out of heaven. He knows the power of God. He knows God is more powerful. 
And it makes him mad when he sees a person jump from one kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Why is the devil after us? Why did the devil make me do it? How many of y'all ever said that? How many of you used that for an excuse at one time or another? Oh man, the devil just made me do that. The devil may have planted the seeds eight months ago. We have the choice to reject or accept the devil. Amen? So vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's why the devil is such against the church. He's called the prince of this world. I love D.L. Moody's saying, I believe there's a real devil. And someone said, D.L., how do you know there's a real devil? Well, number one, the Bible says he's real. And number two, I've done business with him. (laughs) Amen? We've all done business with the devil. Amen? We've all given our flesh and given this to him. And so Nehemiah turns around and says, i got someone bigger than me. The Bible says the Lord will fight for me. Paul said, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. He tells Timothy to endure as a good soldier. That means fight. If you do not fight today, you will fall. If you do not fight this spiritual battle, your family will fall. If churches do not fight this battle, they will fall. You say, well, I'm a lover, not a fighter, brother George. You better fight for your family. Nehemiah put families up there and put a sword in one hand and they fought for their families. Because they were making fun of them. They were mocking them. Why, if a fox run up that wall, it would crumble. It won't hold no weight. These are Jews. They're just beggars. They're not builders. See, God's people can be who they are through God. It's amazing what God's people can be when God is living through them. Because a lot of times, it's not you. You're not doing things. Listen, every time I get up here to preach, I'm a listen, there's a God because He called me to preach. I didn't I didn't want to speak in front of people. When he gets up here, there's things I'll be preaching. Randy comes out of me when I'm preaching, and I'm going, where'd that come from? What I didn't know. You know, and you gotta watch boy, I had that in me. I didn't know that, man. But it was all God. When, when you're in Christ, He wants to work through you. And so in this spiritual fight, you've got to learn how to fight the right way. Number one, he went, in verses 4 and 5, he went to God in prayer. That's the very first thing, is you've got to go, don't talk to the devil. <laughs> There's a lot of people say, let that devil come here, I'll rebuke him in the name of Jesus. You better hope your life is right with Jesus before you take on satanic forces. Amen? I'm all in for rebuking the devil. I'm all in for resisting him and he'll flee. I'm all in the power of Jesus' name. That, that, that it, I know it's real. I know there's demons that need to be cast out of people. Oh, we're getting on a subject that's kind of scary, Brother George, because it's real. Now, he cannot inhabit a child of God. Okay? But he can sure maneuver and control them sometimes, but he can't inhabit them. The Holy Spirit's there. If the Holy Spirit is real and there. 
He is not, God is not going to let the devil have the upper hand in your life. The reason the devil has the upper hand is we allow him. We put God to the side and say, I can rebuke the devil myself. Do not ever try to stand up. I don't care if you've been to church 40 years, you're a deacon, you're a preacher, and stand up pridefully and say, man, I'm a preacher. Billy Graham would not do this. Any famous preacher would not stand up and say, devil, you get away from my family right now. Now, it's okay to pray that, but what Nehemiah did is he went to the Lord about the devil. You need to say, devil, I rebuke you in the Lord. We can't ourselves rebuke nothing because we're flesh and bone and we're sinners saved by grace. But when you attach the power in the name of Jesus Christ to it, then that's a whole new ballgame. Why do you think, you say, well, I don't understand, Brother George. I I, want to get after the devil. I can do it myself. Don't need nobody else. Well, won't we ask the archangel Michael in Jude chapter 9 when he was contending for the body of Moses? An archangel Michael could have said, Devil, Satan, you give me Moses' body right now. I'm fixing the blood of your nose. You know what he said? It says in Jude chapter 9 that Archangel Michael did not throw one accusation, dare to give any accusation to the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. We've got to remember that everything's got to be coming through the Lord's strength. It's got to be filtered through the Lord before we take on the devil. Anything outside of that, you're going to lose. So remember, you know, don't worry about trying to talk to the devil so much as talking to Jesus. Amen. Amen? I mean, don't run around saying, Oh, devil, you was here this time last week. What time is it, Satan? Don't even give him the time. Talk to him through my heavenly Father and say, Jesus, I'm tired of him messing with my family. Take care of him. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, any time we try to live our spiritual life unattached from Jesus and the blood, we're going to fail. You need that boy that's on the school ground bullying your kid. You need someone bigger there watching over him. Amen? I I mean, I love, there used to be a cartoon, I think it was Lion King where he was fixing to be attacked by these wolves or, or something, and they was about to surround him, and he goes, Row! Row! And then he blows up his chest and goes, Row! And they just all tuck their tail and just, ay, 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 just run off. And he puffed his chest out and he turned around and there was his daddy. <laughs> Amen? That's the way it is. Thought he did it all, thought he did it in his own strength, and the presence of his daddy takes care of it all. We need to remember the presence of God will take care of a whole lot of stuff in your life. Amen. I remember this mayor one time that was running for office, and his and his politician advisor come in and said, Mayor, listen, we've got to do something. They're making accusations against you left and right. The other party, the other candidate, they're tearing you up with accusations. What are you going to do? And he was from Georgia, and he said, Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I had an old hound dog one time. 
All he wanted to do is stand there and bark at the moon and howl at the moon. The moon shined down just as bright on us and he howled and howled and howled at the moon. That don't make no sense, Mayor. What are you going to do? I'm going to let the dogs keep barking. I'm going to keep shining. Amen? That's the very next thing, Nehemiah. They prayed. We need to learn how to pray, but we've got to keep a mind. It says in that verse, they had a mind to work. Can you go to that, Tina? In verse 6, 7, 8, 9, long in there. They had a mind to work. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together. This is after the prayer. After they turned it over to the daddy, he said, and half of its height for the people had a mind. You know what drives a devil crazy? And it'll drive people that the devil are using crazy? Don't think the devil don't use people. Ask Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. It says that Satan came in and filled their heart. He uses people inside the church. But he came and, and as they had a mind to work, this will drive the devil crazy. Somebody make, and, and I have to do this as a pastor and pastor in a church. I'll hear something someone said about me or said about the church or you're doing something wrong, George Vincent. And blah, blah. You know what? I just have to smile and just have a mind to work and keep it trucking. It drives them crazy when they can't get under your skin. I mean, it drives them crazy when them negative people are on the job come up and they want to say something to you and they're negative and they want to talk about so-and-so and they're trying to start that little yay, 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 yay on the job. And you say, I don't have time to get in that. I'm not worried about that. And you're just as happy. And you, you just, I mean, you just keep it working. You may have had sticks and stones thrown at you, but man, you're just smiling on the end. You're just happy. You need to do that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're having problems on the job and they're being negative and they're trying to get you and take you down. You need to walk by and say, Hey, I love you. Jesus loves you. Have a great day. God's good, ain't he? Wasn't it a pretty sun, sunrise this morning? Man, isn't it great? Don't talk to me about God. I want to talk to you about what so and so's doing. Just don't give them the time of day. Have a mind to work. Have a mind for Jesus to work. If this church... We'll have a mind to work. Outside or inside interference won't bother us. But see, here's what happened. Tobadiah, go, let's go down. Let me find my Bible. Look at verse 7. They had a mind, now they're back to work. They're being joyful. Man, what, these guys are hard to beat. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobadiah, they, here's what they said. If we can't beat them, we'll join them. The devil does that in every church, every job, every organization, every club, especially ones that are promoting the name of Jesus, his kingdom work, that are attached to that. And he does it right here in this church at Pleasant Hill. If we can't, Satan says, if we can't beat them, we'll join them. Let me show you how it works. Everybody's happy having a worship service in the church building. We dismiss and leave. And that one person that the devil always uses, he listens for negative, disgruntled people. On the way out. And he hears them saying something about the leadership or don't like the way the music is or don't like the way we do our children's program or I just don't, I didn't like the service today. And, and they'll usually say, 
Well, brother, they'll find them and they'll say, Brother, pray about this for me, would you? That's bothering me too. Let's pray about it. Just keep that and pray about it. Amen? They go to them disgruntled. If you can't beat them, join them. Birds of a feather flock together. That's the way the devil works. He fills our hearts. He can influence anybody in here. Amen? I didn't say he could control you or inhabit you, but he can influence you. And this is what he did to Tobadiah. The most common way the devil keeps us from our calling, he wants to remind you about your past. You know what I like to call the devil? I got it fixed, Tim. The devil is nothing but a whistleblower. Amen? There ain't nobody wake on that back bench. I just woke, I mean, sleep, I woke them up. I mean, there was a section over here, they all jumped at once. I mean, Paul said, I forget those things which are in my past, and I look forward to the high calling of my call that's in Jesus Christ. And the first thing you start being challenged is the devil's going to start eternally working through your mind to let you know you're not good enough to even come to church, number one. I wouldn't even walk in them doors there the way you used to be on drugs and alcohol. You've been married four times. You've had divorces. You, you know, you've even been in jail. Amen? He points it out everywhere. Well, I think I'm going to go to church today. I'm going to get ready to go today. He stops, he blows the whistle, but you don't remember your past? Remember, here's what he does. You probably come to church this morning. You know, so-and-so goes there and they went to high school with you. They seen the way you acting. Here's one even better. Y'all used to be in jail together. Amen. We smoked dope together. We did drugs together. We drank together. I know people don't, you know, it's funny how we get all holy when we come into this building. You know, there's something in our back at them glass doors when you step over, all of a sudden it's like, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. When you walk through them doors, the devil, when I'm preaching, is going... The devil, here's what I like. The devil's like a referee. Not all referees get the calls right. I love, hey, I love watching football. How many of y'all think some referees are blind? You've said it at your kids' games, I know. And here's your team is. You know, there's a few minutes to go. Whether it's high school, college, pro. And he drops back for a pass and he throws it. And the guy's running right to the pylon in the corner. Makes a catch. And one ref does this right here. Touchdown. 
And then all of a sudden, here's the dreaded, we all like this. I mean, the crowd is going crazy. They're excited. We scored a touchdown. And then here comes the, what's that called? Anybody know what that flag is? Penalty. And the stadium gets quiet because of one little yellow flag that's laying on the ground beside there. And the player does everything he can do to persuade his coach. Coach, when I come toward the corner of the pylon, I had control. I caught the ball. It was a touchdown. I know it was, coach. I know I made it over the goal line. And I love what they finally did because this was a controversy. We took it out of the devil's or the ref's hands. (laughs) And now when the coach is on the sideline in the pros... He'll be sitting there and he's got them headphones on. He's listening. And I love because as soon as that flag comes up, it was a penalty and he did not have control of the ball. And that head coach is standing there like this and he's got his hands on his headphones. And as soon as he gets word from upstairs, boy, he goes, <laughs> This is what they came out with a few years ago. It's called the challenge flag. What the coach is saying, I want to challenge the play that was called on the field as a penalty. I want to challenge that, and I want my red challenge flag to cover the mistake. Whether you don't get this yet or not, Jesus at the cross of Calvary said, there's a sin penalty that's being called against every one of us. But I want to throw a challenge flag and cover it up by the blood. I want to say that he's mine and I love him. I died for him so he can spend eternity with me. And devil, I challenge your penalty. I challenge your past. Amen. I want to challenge what you said about their marriage, their kids. I want to challenge it. See, this is what scares the devil more than anything is a red, blood-covered challenge flag. Scares the devil to death. If you want to resist the devil and flee from you, let Jesus challenge him. Remind him of his future, amen? Amen. Remind him that through all things, I'm more than conquerors. I can do all things through Christ, this is G-I-V version, and the challenge flag... He will strengthen me. Amen? So just remember that when you leave here today and the devil, you came today. And you, listen, it's going to happen, guys. You're going to walk out of here at this invitation. You're going to meet the altars praying. You're asking God to get right, get you right. Help me, Lord, get strength. Let me, let me get my priorities right. You're going to get in the car and crank it up. There goes the flag. Ain't even got out of the parking lot and the devil's already blowing the whistle on you. Well, it was a feel-good session. Now, let's get back to reality. You still messed up. (laughs) Say, devil, challenge him on it. And say, I challenge you in the name of Jesus. What he did at the cross, I'm covered forever. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. And Lord, there's some in here that's probably being challenged today because of their calling. Lord, they decided to step out and get out of the boat. They decided they they want to put you first. There may be even some here that's decided to come to church. Maybe they hadn't been in years. But whatever it is, 
while you've laid that on their heart and that calling on their heart today, the devil's throwing a penalty against them. But let them realize today, Lord, that your son Jesus died on the cross and you died for our past, you died for our present, and you died for our future. So let's challenge the devil this morning, Pleasant Hill. Bring your challenge flag with you to the altar. You can't come approach His altar on your own strength. Humbly and boldly approach His throne of grace. That's what His Word says. Because there's been a way made for you to enter in in the presence of Jesus this morning. Father, have Your way in this service. For some that need to be saved, Lord, send them this morning. If they need to join this church, Lord, send them right where they're at. If they need to be baptized, they need to rededicate their life. They need to get you number one. Maybe they just got a burden on their heart about a family or a friend or something in their life that nobody knows. Lord, let's all bring the challenge flag this morning and come to the altar and show the devil. Rebuke him with the challenge flag this morning so your prayers can get through to heaven. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name and all God's people saying... Amen. Come right where you're at as the altar workers come. They're standing here. You step out and bring that challenge flag with you. Don't let the devil mock you and ridicule you where you're at this morning. Don't let him ridicule your family no more. Your faith in Jesus Christ.